Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. And today, I'm honored to welcome to the Plasma Media Lab studio, Olivia Marcel. We're going to talk about history, workshops, activities, and consider this special feature as a homage to Olivia's work and passion about history for the city of Holyoke. Olivia, thank you for being here and welcome. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so, yeah, where do we start? Well, you are being recognized by the city for all your work yes. involved with preservation, with history, with keeping the history of our city alive and aware for members in the community, old and new, mm -hmm. to keep learning from it. What does this mean to you, to have this recognition? Oh, it's, it, that's very nice. Um, it, it means a lot because uh, there's a lot of time, spent a lot of time, commission meetings were once a month. Sometimes the city council wanted to hear about a project or you have to go in to defend a project. So it's, it's all, I mean, all the commissioners in, in the city of Holyoke have to respond in some way to the city council or, or to the mayor. The mayor picks the commissioners, city council approves. So there's a little bit of a resume involved, but I started in with uh, Mayor Soskovic back in the 90s. So uh, he appointed me. So it's been, I was counting up four mayors since then. So uh, it's been a journey, I should say, yeah. Uh, I didn't really know a lot about uh, the history of Holyoke until, you know, we found a nice place here. We we made it our home, and I'm an old, uh, I wouldn't say old, I um, grew up in the military, so we moved every three years. As a Navy, naval family, we moved every three years, so I was never really able to put down roots. You can't. You're, you have to go wherever your family is stationed, so... That's a great advantage to a certain point because you you have all these mixtures of cultures and you have to learn how to blend in. And military life, even though you're not exactly a military person, it's it's a lifestyle that's very different. That's the advantages of, of being in, uh, in the military, moving every three years, making new friends. And because the downside is you don't really have a whole lot of time to, to spend and to dig in and set, set roots as children of military families. So to, to be in Holyoke, this was an opportunity for me to put roots down. So little did I know, I was, when Danny Soskovic appointed me to this uh, historical commission, like, it's like they were the beginning of those roots. And so I didn't know too much about it, but I learned from Jill Hodnicki, and who was at the chair at the time, and uh, knew a lot about the history of Holyoke, and she's an architectural historian. So a lot of terminology and things, are, it just it's a continual learning process. So I'm still learning about all those terms today. This, it, it, it never stops, it's, it continues to go. So, um, the commission went from 
A small group to sometimes our three was our minimum. I know we were three people for a while. And then we kept building and building. And my other job was a uh, teacher at Holyoke High for 17 years. So I think it's sort of that teacher thing. You try to engage students. You have a curriculum, but also you have to work around your curriculum to make them, to make the students interested. Well, history wasn't, I, I was in the English department, so I had um, to teach students um, the English curriculum for our, my special ed students. And so you had to make it, cre- you had to be creative for them. So we, of the current curriculum that the regular students were reading, we found audiobooks, we found videotapes, we did a little bit of reading on pacemaker books. So we did the same curriculum, but in a different way, different creative way. So um, how does that get into history? I don't know. I, I think probably with that same technique of trying to make things happen and looking into um, up different projects and creating projects instead of just letting things just happen, that's part of what I think built interest. And I've been able been fortunately over the years seen an increase in the interest of historical features in town. People uh, actually, uh, and then towards the end of of my term, people were calling me, is it okay? Can I do this for my house? Can I do that for my house? And going like, oh, thank you for asking. You know, and so you'd explain this and that to them, whatever. And it, it, it's an educational process, too. It's it's not only in a, in a nice way, putting the facts out there and not lecturing them, but, but letting the individuals in the public know that you have something valuable here. You don't. You look at it all the time, and you don't realize what a what a treasure you have, until you go out to another city or or uh, town that doesn't have those things. You say, "Well, Holyoke is kind of special after all." And then when we started doing tours of City Hall, and uh, Bob Como does his tour of Canal, of the canals in. Uh, I learned a lot. Didn't didn't know about this, but Clemens Herschel was um, invented the uh, the uh, that inf- yeah can't think of the name of it now. Yes. <laughs> but we did that for Infrastructure Day. Who knew that this uh, this pipe was uh, all over the world? I'll have to think of it now. Yes, and, and, and I'm trying to also remember the name of it, but it's basically a small device, a meter that... Uh, it regulates the, the use of... So it was the way the city could control and regulate the use of the water that the mills used that it came through the canals. And so they knew what to build them. It's uh, two large pieces of pipe that come together, narrow down, and there's a gauge in the middle... Mm-hmm. And so that's how, and of course, it's technology today has changed a whole lot, but it's still basically the same. So the pipe is actually the pipe that uh, the company that still makes the pipe is in um, outside of Boston. So the fellows who uh, came down, I should have brought my information with me, but um, they came down from uh, Boston and they said, I said, oh, can you bring the, the pipe with you? And they kind of laughed. They said, oh, we'd need an 18-wheeler a trailer to bring that pipe down. It's so huge. So he said, okay, that means I have to come up. 
you know. So I said, okay, field trip, let's go. So one day during the summer, we went out, uh, went out to their factory, and uh, they're still making this pipe, and it's it's all over the world. Um, you're looking. Yes, uh, the Venturi meter. Venturi meter. Oh my God! How could I forget that? <laughs> the Venturi meter. So I mean, it was just like taking. Okay, let's go see what a Venturi meter looks like. You know, it's it's actually trying to do a reel instead of just reading about it. Going, we went out. We went out to see, to the factory to see that they're still making it, and all the and the interest in the hydrology that went on here. You know, the the founding fathers who discovered the Venturi meter. It was specifically for for the Holyoke canals. It's gone on around the world, and the testing flume which at one point anybody could bring turbines, test their turbines. Where'd they do that? They did that in the testing flume here in Holyoke. I mean, it's been said that Holyoke at one time was the, uh, you know, Silicon Valley of the West. And now we, Holyoke at one time was the Silicon Valley of the East. There was so much tech, it wasn't technology at the time, but ideas that were being manufactured. So it, there's always something that pops up with it. I, I guess it's just being uh, open to learning and um, being willing to investigate, which is why I've gotten so involved in the history of Holyoke. And so uh, long story short, <laughs> uh, it's it's been an adventure. It's been kind of a love-hate relationship because sometimes people don't like what you do and they get very... Um, angry and we've had uh, difficulty with d different demolitions in town mm -hmm. and you try and present your side and that's all you can do. You follow the, the ordinances that the city has in place and uh, so you, it can only do so much. Uh, so that, so in that way, it's unfortunately people, you, you see true side of people when they get angry at you and they, and they get right in your face and tell you, different things and you know that you're that you have a standing and you have a per you know an opinion and it's just that's the way it is but it's been a learning process it's it's not unsimilar to to being a teacher at, at a high school you know I think that training was probably been good for the for this kind of situation because you there are students that you like the students that you that you don't necessarily get along with but you have to maintain your integrity and put your put your um, your presentation or whatever your lesson is for that day and and hoping that somehow some part of it reaches the student or or it triggers something in them that they'll want to come back to at some at some point so We've seen a nice change in, in uh, a, a nice gradual change in Holyoke, and that's been uh, comforting and reassuring. So, yeah, I appreciate the acknowledgement. Yeah, there's a lot of other folks who have been there who've who've done, gone through the gone through the mills uh, virtually. <laughs> I see that the teacher in you is always there because working with history. Sometimes the perception is that historians are keepers of the history and the artifacts and uh, tangible elements. So it feels like they are just keeping everyone away 
from getting in touch or in contact because this fear of damage or losing those those valuable resources. Mm -hmm. In your case, what I always seen is that you love to share the knowledge and pass it on old and new people in the city to learn and appreciate what do we have here. Mm -hmm. That is the teacher still making sure that everybody gets to appreciate those small things that we take for granted sometimes that we still have in the city that mm -hmm. are functioning. And thanks to your work, we are getting the chance to know more about them. Right. And there's some aspects of the city history are, you know, of, uh, really turn some people on. You know, the architecture is, but then you can go for, well, what about the people? You know, why did that, you know, it's a curiosity about why do you think they built that the way they did? What was it about that group of people who, who wanted to live? And we were talking about, um, you know, the Polish. Why did they, how did they happen to congregate in that area? What, what, was, it, what was it about that? that uh, brought them together and or the Germans or the Hispanics or the all the other um, groups and why was uh, which I have another thing we're on another project I have to tell you about mm -hmm. in a little bit uh, for instance uh, why was Main Street so popular and the train station what was what was it about that 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 made it so huge and uh, uh, thickly settled And it turns out that, of course, the trains came in into that part of town. That's where the new new people just off the train came in. And there was, if you can imagine, some of the early visions of Main Street being so thick with people that they that you couldn't couldn't get a, a cart through because some of them were carts or you know horse and buggies. Mm -hmm. There were markets, meat markets, and vegetable vendors, and rag pickers, and all that old world things that we don't, they, they, were, they were right there, right down here. And so this street was early Holyoke, Main Street was a happening place. They came off the train and they, they needed a place to stay. So the, the, the tenements were here and uh, it probably was a, a huge and ecological problems if we'd look at them today because there was water wasn't good cleanliness wasn't good systems uh, sewer systems weren't so great back then you know d diseases were rampant so this was it was uh, at one point our highest population in town was 60,000 people so that's almost 20 more thousand people than we have now so that's that was the height of our that I've read about so um Another project that we're working on is uh, history is, uh, in Holyoke has been focused on all the mills and industrial revolution and, and all that stuff. But early on, Holyoke was an agricultural <laughs> community. And before then, there was a large native population here. So we know that because we've found documentation of graves that were, were discovered and they were... Uh, native graves, and when they were uncovered, they just, the, the uh, remnants just disintegrated in the air because they had been in the ground for so long. So mm -hmm. we're researching that. That's a new project I'm working on right now. But this had to be, Holyoke had to be, it was a good location because there was plenty of water. Mm -hmm. 
down there. It was good hunting ground. Uh, they could, the natives could um, be up on the mountaintop. So they could see, um, they, they had the nice vistas to look at. They could see, watch the movement of, their, of the deer or, or wherever it was, you know, plenty of hunting. And then they had a nice um, fields and the open fields of Hadley and all around there that, that were uh, good for growing. So at some point in time, they, they did grow tobacco and, and corn and things like that. So that was great location for the Native Americans. Then, then diseases came and then white men came and, and then they moved out. King Philip's War, all that stuff happened. But, but Holyoke does have some Indian names. If you look around in certain areas, there's uh, Somerset Drive, and there's Pequod Road, and there's uh, Kanoche Park. Now, those reflect the, our Native American our history, our early history. So I'll, I'll get back to you on that. We, we have some things coming up. That's ongoing. That's a new thing that we... I've been working on with some and, friends. And definitely something that I want to know more about once there <clears> is more information to share. This is, this is fascinating. Yeah. They've always been here. Yes. But it, they just, you know, were hiding in plain sight, so to speak. Also, now that uh, your work with the Historic Commission is in a way completed, finished, you are still active and doing different projects and different workshops and there is one happening on the weekend of May 19th and 20th. Yes. That's a workshop down at Smith's Ferry Cemetery is near um, Delaney House. Uh, you have to look to the left really fast as you get as you're climbing up to Smith's Ferry because you don't see it. It's back. Uh, on, the, on the left side of the road as you're going north. It's a small cemetery. We, we figured we'd start with that because it was small and it's kind of sheltered. It has a ledge behind it. The cemetery's closed. It's run by the city and uh, Tamara from uh, Historic Graveyard Services gave us a workshop uh, last June. And so she showed us how to clean the stones at, with um, a solution called D2. And what happens in, in those pictures, before we even uh, begin cleaning, we kind of do an overall view of the, of the cemetery itself, get the debris out of the way, and clean up some of the branches that have fallen over the winter. We try and document any stones that that are are broken or or fading uh, because once the inscriptions are gone, it's they're gone. So if you can get a picture of before, if you can get a picture of them, it helps to make them uh, they're more legible. So what Tamara told us to do, uh, she taught us how to um, clean the stones. We put on this. Uh, uh, you take a, a plastic. Uh, like a putty knife, uh, only plastic. Says a plastic, yes. Metal, no. Never use metal. And you clean off the algae and the lichens that are grown on, and then you kind of rub it down, brush it down, and you put on this D2, which uh, is a biological spray, and it 
it uh, brings out the dirt and the growth from inside the stone. And then that doesn't hurt the surrounding um, grass or, or plants that are, that are in the area, if there are in the area. And then they um, you wash that off. And over the, uh, the next series of weeks, then the stone gradually brightens. So it's, it's a, a slow, a nice process. So you can see some of the, a lot of the printing and inscriptions uh, come out really, really nice when you put the water over, you can see that. So that's, and then it's, and then it's, it's also curious because you say, now who is this? What was this person's name and how are they related to that one? And sometimes you see, you know, sadly you see little infant stones <laughs> that, uh, through, you know, who passed away. They didn't even have a name. It's just infant. So that's the, uh, the sad part of the, of the event. And then uh, she also showed us how to straighten them because they fall over. Mm -hmm. Some of them just lean. And so there's a process where uh, with sand or gravel, you take the stone out and with a level, you set them up. So they'll level, and you tap the tap the soil down, and uh, keep it, make everything level, and then uh, you're good. The next thing that we didn't get into is the big heavy-duty stones. Some of them are cracked, and some of the big monuments are um, have to be too difficult for uh, you need a team of people to to uh, straighten them. So that becomes more a work of uh, restoration itself, right? Kind, yes, yes, because this, the stone could be brittle, the stone could break, mm -hmm. and you have to just have to be careful about that. And then usually by that time, it's in the afternoon and everyone's tired. and <laughs> You stop for a break and you say, like, okay, we're done. And then you try and take pictures of, of uh, get pictures of what the stones look like after. Now, there's an interesting stone in Smith's Ferry that um, it's actually in the under, it's the part of the Underwood family, because Underwood was a big uh, family in that area. It was an old family. There's still Underwoods there uh, alive, mm -hmm. but the, the centerpiece is a tall, uh, monument made of zinc. Whoever thought zinc would be, you know, but it's a beautifully preserved and uh, it's very sharp and very clear. And if anyone, when you go up there, take a, take next time when you drive by for five minutes, take a quick walk over to the Underwood and it, and you'll see the zinc. It's beautiful. There's also a zinc stone piece in Forestdale somewhere. I, not sure, don't remember the uh, the name that's on the that's on the monument. But Forestdale is a whole another huge story. That's where all the wealthy, the hoi polloi of Holyoke lived. So, but uh, Smiths Ferry was a agri very agricultural part of the town. Uh, it only became part of Holyoke in 1907 because it was purchased from uh, Northampton. Yeah. So a lot of our records that we have to, before 1907, we have to go to Northampton to look up because it was part of the uh, Northampton, as was uh, uh, West Springfield was, uh, had a part of Holyoke, or Holyoke bought it of West Springfield, I guess mm -hmm. that's the way it goes. So we have 
that's how we got the shape that we're in today from Northampton, West Springs. So who knew about that? You know, this mm-hmm. it's like Gene Yonker, one of the one of our team workers in cemetery, said, Let's 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 do cemeteries. And of course, like I was saying, Elmwood is a is the oldest cemetery in town. So that's a whole nother conversation. We'll I'll tell you about that sometime too. Our next visit. <laughs> Absolutely. So this workshop on cleaning is happening on May 19th and 20th. Right. How can people sign up? They can uh, sign up online on the on um, Facebook, or they can just come out to the to Smith's Ferry. It's not you don't have to come both days. Only if you have an hour or so, or you just want to check it check us out. You can drive by. We'll when we get permission from for the other cemeteries, we'll post that, and if the uh, individuals want to give us their email, we'll, we'll put it on our, our list, our cemetery email list. So we hope to, we hope to gradually get permission to do more cemeteries. And we'd like to start with, uh, we need permission from Forestdale Cemetery to do Elmwood because they maintain Elmwood. And it's, uh, th- th- there's a whole other story about the difference between cemeteries and burial grounds and how the Victorian people considered cemeteries back in the day. So it's a whole different study. I guess uh, if somebody's curious about that, uh, just come out and... And uh, also we'll show you if you, if you have some, if you have uh, family members in another cemetery that's not uh, particularly maintained, you can maintain your uh, parent or uh, siblings, gravestones, grave markers. We can show you how to do that. We did have some inquiry from uh, one of the synagogue uh, organizations in town. They wanted to know what to, uh, how to maintain their cemetery so, or, or clean the stones. So, so we have that on our agenda too. So there's a lot. And also, Especially when you're saying right now for people that want to maintain and clean their relatives, that becomes a learning learning process, learning experience, preservation of part of the history. But at the same time, is another way of keep a family bonding. That's right. That's right. Well, especially in certain Asian cultures, they'll have Saturday uh, picnics. You know, the, let's go sit by grandma or mom and and have a, a feast or picnic by their by the by their site so um yeah it's interesting there's a lot of cultural connections to that and uh, we need it's good for it's good for families to do that i just have to mention that the holyoke preservation trust is one of the organizations i'm working with uh now They're based on uh, Gateway City Arts and uh, 92 Ray Street. And it, we will try to post uh, cem- more cemetery information on that website. It's HolyokePreservationTrust.org. And we have a telephone number and an address. And you could reach the group from that website or send me an email. I can be reached through that website. So. And all, all of this information, of course, is also available in the posting of this 
episode in our website, radioplasma.com. So that way you can reach out and find more details about all these different activities, events, and the work that Olivia is doing now with the Holy Preservation Trust. So it never ends. <laughs> it never ends. You continue engaged into keeping history alive, into keep teaching and preserving the history, the resources, and keeping the connections with people. And I definitely see why the city is recognizing you with this special event. Very well deserved. And most important, I really appreciate having you here today, sharing a little bit of all these many different projects that you have been involved and all the knowledge you have and the passion you have for for sharing all this information as well. Thank you. I look forward to it. So we're going to keep definitely having more conversations about different aspects of the history of Holyoke. Now, following up on the development of other important resources and places that include, for example, uh, Madre Dolorosa Church, and uh, that include, like you mentioned, uh, Robert Camal. Holy Canal Tour that is about to happen again in June 2nd and that I know uh, you are always very well involved on, on, on that so we're going to keep following up on all these different events because having these opportunities to learn and also making it an interesting and fun series of activities it's a hidden gem it's a beautiful treasure to have and Everything that we can do to put the word out about all of this going on, we are more than glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is our conversation with Olivia Marcel and talking about different projects and activities involving the history of Holyoke. And remember this workshop of cleaning the stones on the, on the cemetery is happening May 19th and 20th. All this information uh, available in our website, radioplasma.com. Olivia, thank you so much for this time today. You're welcome. And congratulations for this recognition by the city. Thank you. Thank you very much. With this, we conclude our conversation today with Olivia Mosell here in the Radio Plasma podcast that has been recorded and produced here at the Plasma Media Lab in the Kendra Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening.